We'll be finishing out um, Luke chapter 12 tonight, and so you can begin to, to, to find that um, in your Bibles. We'll be looking at the last uh, third of that chapter, um, starting from uh, verse 35, and really getting down through the end of that chapter here tonight as we've been looking at just this theme about being, being ready for uh, ready for the Lord's return, ready for the trumpet, ready to, to, to stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, ready to, uh, to join him at the, the marriage supper of the Lamb, ready to, uh, to serve and to, to, to reign as kings and priests in the millennial, millennial kingdom. And um, those are going to be important events, and I want to take some time here in the coming weeks to really talk about those things also, and those, those factors um, of, uh, uh, of things that are too yet to come. But all of that is predicated um, on this life, uh, this life that we live. That's why I've spent so much time now, these last, uh, I guess now four or five weeks or so, just talking about how to be prepared for that time. Um, Looking at this longer passage where the Lord challenges his disciples to be ready to meet him and and to be laying up treasures in heaven and to be um, uh, eternally minded and not to be carnally minded, uh, to be thinking about um, things that, that truly matter and have our eyes and our hearts focused on that which which truly matters and so um, the theme so far has has been this this process of, of, of preparation this mode of preparation um, that we're to be living in uh, as we as we uh, see that that eternity is drawing nigh, nigh all the time and nearer and nearer all the time um, we don't know when the Lord will return we don't know when this life will be over for any one individual of us uh, any more than any other. But what we do know is that we're one day closer. Um, and if that means that we're um, you know, just a few days out, or if that's a few weeks or a few months or a few years, or even more than that, but we know that we're getting closer and closer all the time. We know that um, the world is, um, is going the way that the Lord predicted that it would, uh, becoming more and more um, after the pattern and the manner of the, the days of Noah, a time when the, the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually, a time when they were um, uh, marrying and giving in marriage and, and they were feasting and, and drinking and, and reveling and, and not um, concerning themselves at all with the, the, the real purpose for which Christ put them on this earth and um, uh, were going further and further in that direction um, at the time when uh, the Lord repented that he had made man in, in uh, the book of Genesis he found one family, one family amongst um, the, the multitudes. And we don't know how many people lived on the earth, but it had been, um, it had been over a thousand years at that point. I mean, it had been a good long while that, that human history had been going forward and there had been um, a population explosion in that, in that period of time. And to whatever extent the population had, had grown to, there was one family that was found uh, faithful, um, eight souls that, that survived that. And I'm going to imagine that was certainly a, a very, very, very small percentage of the population. Wouldn't even be a percentage of the population. Would be a fraction of a fraction of a percentage of the population uh, for eight souls to survive in that time. And the Lord said, um, by kind of by that 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 distinction, that it was going to be like there was going to be a remnant. There was going to be very little faith on the earth, comparatively speaking. And we're talking about in a in a time right now where there's some eight billion people on the earth. Um, getting closer and closer to that number, 8 billion people on this earth. And so to make a, a fraction of a fraction is, is still 
um, what sounds like a relatively large number, but in, in vast comparison to the total population of this world, um, it would it would not it would not still be very 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 much. And so um, we're going that direction. Um, though we live in a, a, an ostensibly Christian nation, though there are some other nations around the world that are at least nominally Christian nations or predominantly Christian nations by um, by religious affiliation, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's um, that abundance of true faith. Um, and uh, and more and more and more, even in our own country, uh, people who claim Christianity as, as their faith um, also admit to the fact that they rarely, if ever, go to church. Um, they uh, rarely, if ever, um, read their Bibles, rarely, if ever, pray, rarely, if ever, um, uh, um, uh, uh, do anything that would be considered spiritual or religious outside of a couple of times during the year where everyone goes to church. They try to attend an Easter service. They try to attend a Christmas service. Uh, they try to do um, a, a good Christian deed here and there. And so we are fast approaching, uh, by our estimation, we're fast approaching the days of Noah, the, the days that are like um, the, the days of Noah. And so we have to be uh, paying attention to these things. And we've been called to uh, observe the signs of the times. We've been called to, to watch and to be observant and to be ready and to be prepared. We've been called, yes, to wait on the Lord, like we talked about this morning, to wait on the Lord, both to be patient for the Lord's return, but to be busy and serving until that time, to serve the Lord until he comes and to be found faithful. And we're going to talk about that here tonight. Um, the focus of the series here has been, thus far, how to prepare for the imminent return of Christ. Uh, we would be foolish uh, to, to live as if Christ is not going to come. And we're going to see that out of the text tonight, that um, it, it would be an absolutely foolish decision, foolish philosophy to live as if Christ is not going to return um, at any moment and in, in our lifetimes. There's um, an example of that here in our text tonight. Uh, the emphasis um, uh, going forward is not necessarily going to be about the events of, uh, of the apocalypse, um, the, the events of Revelation as they take place here on this earth about uh, the, the, the rise of, of the one world government and the Antichrist and um, the judgments that are poured out on the earth and the, uh, the catastrophes and the supernatural signs and wonders that are going to take place during that time. We're really not going to concern ourselves with those things. Uh, those are not the priority of this. In fact, rather, we're going to take a look at the heavenly timeline during that period more than we are going to take a look at the earthly timeline. We're fast approaching to the event, uh, the next event on, on the calendar of God's prophetic calendar is, is the, the rapture of the saved. And, and then uh, we as believers are going to go to be with him. Um, and, and while we are uh, with him, uh, things are going to uh, get pretty wild down here on the earth. Things are going to um, uh, kind of go haywire down here while the events of the, the, the tribulation take place. But we're going to be lifted out and above that. Just like Noah was was spared from the from the wrath in the uh, in the ark, we're going to be um, removed from the wrath to come. Uh, we've not been appointed to wrath, but to receive, uh, to, but to obtain mercy uh, through Christ Jesus our Lord. And we're going to uh, forego all of this tribulation on the earth. But the but there are going to be things that we're doing. We're not just going to be up and and uh, away from that and observing that from heaven. We are going to uh, be with the Lord. We're going to be. Um, uh, standing before the Lord in, um, 
in, at, the, at the judgment seat of Christ and, and the works of our lives are going to be tried. What sort they are, um, the, the marriage supper of the Lamb is going to take place after that. And then we're going to return with the Lord in his second coming. And, and we're going to take some time and talk about um, those things also in, in the series of, of those events and all of that. Uh, but we are called in this time to be ready for those things. Um, once the rapture takes place, once um, you are taken in, in death and you close your eyes in death, there is no more time to do work that matters. There's no more time uh, to lay up treasure in heaven. There's no more time to do something of eternal significance. That time has passed. That time is ended. Um, only what you have already done uh, will count and will matter. And so uh, we're called to uh, to be prepared and to be ready. The Lord's return is imminent. It, it could happen at any moment. I want before we get to to uh, Luke chapter twelve here tonight. I do want to read one passage. I forgot I was going to do this. One passage out of First um, Thessalonians tonight, and um, uh, it's uh, probably not the passage you think. It immediately follows First Thessalonians chapter five and uh, verses one through eleven. It immediately follows the the description given at the end of chapter four of what the rapture is going to be like. And I think we'll come back and, and we'll talk about that here probably next week. But in chapter 5, it says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then cometh sudden destruction upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. But ye are the children of light, and the children of the day... We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as ye also do. Um, mentioned this when we studied this, this book here some, some time ago, that um, the, the, the truth of the rapture uh, is supposed to be a comforting truth. The truth of the Lord's return is supposed to be something that gives us comfort, something that gives us strength, something that gives us um, uh, motivation, uh, surely motivation to, uh, to, to do what we're called to do and to live our lives on purpose and with purpose um, so that we'll have something to show for our lives. This, this is supposed to be um, a time that uh, is supposed to be a truth that, 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 that helps us to, uh, to focus our lives on that which, which matters the most and take comfort and strength in the face of the, of the, uh, the opposition that um, comes against us. But I want to point to just in verse 2 and <clears throat> verse 4, really, where it, uh, verse 2, where it uses the phrase, a thief in the night. And it's sometimes a, um, a phrase that is maybe a little bit more widely known and understood to be a reference to the, the Lord's return. And certainly for uh, the vast majority of people, that day is going to come as a thief in the night. And, um, and, and many are going to be taken off guard by that. Many are going to be surprised by that. We're going to see an allusion to this thought in Luke chapter 12 tonight also. Um, but the Bible here tells us that 
um, in verse four, that we're not in darkness. Uh, we're not, we're not, the, the truth has not been hidden from us. The truth has not been concealed from us. This is not such a mystery that um, we have no knowledge of it whatsoever. Um, there are still some vast unknowns about the Lord's return, uh, when it's going to take place specifically and, and what that is exactly going to be and look like. And there was a lot of speculation about these things, but it's not such a mystery that we have no way at all to look around us and to discern the time. And this is what the passage in, in Luke is going to tell us to do here tonight is to discern the time, uh, to, to pay attention to what the Lord has told us, to pay attention to what's going on all around us, and through that, to have some discernment about the time in which we live so that we can prepare ourselves and be ready for his coming. Um, the rapture should not come as a complete surprise to us because we are expecting it. The Lord has told us that he would come and he's made that promise to us. And so we should live with that hope. We should live with that expectation. The Lord has told us to watch and in fact to intentionally uh, focus our hearts and our minds on the fact that the Lord is going to return, to wake up and to um, uh, to tell yourself that every day. The Lord could come back today. And what am I going to do? And how do I want to be found when the Lord comes back? And if that's today, I want to be found doing those things. Um, uh, and we're to be, we're be paying attention. Keep our, 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 our eyes wide open to what is going on around us, to understand that the, the kind of circumstances that um, the Lord tells us will be taking place. The, uh, the, the, the wars, rumors of wars, the natural disasters, um, the, 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 the globalization, the, the ability to, uh, to travel and to have information, um, uh, to have access to information, all of these things that, that seemed uh, pretty um, inconceivable just a few generations ago are more and more coming to pass all the time. And so we're getting closer to that day and we're getting closer to that hour. And if you are caught off guard, if, if the Lord's return catches you like a thief in the night, then um, that's not going to prevent you from, as a saved person, from being taken in the rapture. But you are going to be caught unawares. And there's no, there's no reason to be caught completely unawares because um, we, we ought to be seeing what's going on all around us. I want to look here tonight. Um, at, uh, uh, at uh, the rest of Luke chapter 12. And we'll start in verse 35 and just read a few verses here to get us started. It says there, let your loins be girt about, let your lights be burning. Ye yourselves like unto the men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, uh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and shall make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. And so we are to stay in a state of readiness. We're supposed to stay ready for the Lord to come. Uh, we're not supposed to uh, fall into um, uh, malaise. We're not to fall into complacency. We're not to fall into uh, a spirit of, of, of doubtfulness um, and skepticism uh, and, and even contempt um, in a way in which we would um, uh, not, not keep ourselves ready and prepared. 
Uh, it says there in verse 34, 5, 35 to um, have your loins girded about and your lights be burning. Uh, speaking here of being awake and, and being and active and still ready to go. This is similar to what the Lord told the Israelites to do um, on the night of the Passover. That, um, that, that in the, the, the middle of the night, really, really in the midnight hour, the, the angel of death went through the land and, and claimed the firstborn out of the Egyptians. And then after that, the Lord led the Israelites um, out in the midnight hour. After the midnight hour, middle of the night, the Lord led them out from Israel, or out of Egypt, led Israel out of Egypt. And they were to um, uh, eat their Passover meal, lights burning, um, shoes on their feet, um, ready to go, even standing up, which was not something that was common. They would eat their meal on their feet so that as soon as the Lord called them to go, they were ready to respond and to go. And this is, uh, in, in a sense, this is the same thing the Lord is telling his people to do um, and, and the way he's telling us to be prepared for his return is that uh, we're not to be, be found relaxing. We're not to be found um, on vacation. We're not to be found um, uh, just taking our ease um, uh, sleeping and, and being spiritually um, unprepared, spiritually asleep during this time. The servants um, were expected to respond immediately to their Lord's knocking. And, and um, that's what the verses talk about. Those who would, would hear him knock and would open to him immediately. Uh, we're supposed to be found that way also. Uh, servants that were found to be prepared uh, received a blessing. As blessed are those servants um, and he says in verse 20, uh, I'm sorry, verse 37 and the verse 38, both times is blessed are those servants whom the Lord when he cometh find, uh, shall find watching. Verse 38, he says, uh, blessed are those servants. Um, they were um, blessed because of their readiness, because of their preparation. And um, maybe even more so than, than just um, uh, the talent or, or ability or something like that, what they have to offer um, one of the greatest qualities that we can have as servants of the Lord is, is availability. Uh, you may have heard that before, but uh, far more than, than the, 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 the physical talents, the natural talents that many bring to the table, um, those all count for nothing if there is no um, availability, if there's no dependability, if there's no accountability. Um, those are the things that the Lord is looking for in his servants that he blesses are those who are ready, those who are listening, those who are paying attention, those who are dedicated to their service. And, um, and he blesses those servants. It says there in verse 38, it says, if you come in the second or third watch, um, these servants that were blessed were ones that were awake and active, but they were also undistracted and they were undiscouraged. Uh, they, they weren't um, starting to, to uh, find themselves pulled away to other things. They weren't finding themselves um, drawn into unbelief even that the Lord would return. How many Christians have gone this way where in the, in the long waiting and the many, many different times when Christians have thought the Lord had to return, you know, um, the Lord had to return this day, the Lord had to return this day, things are so bad, the Lord has to return and the Lord hasn't returned yet. And so there are Christians who have become um, instead very distracted by other things and, and have gone off into um, worldly pursuits and forsaken their, their, their Christian faith. There are others who have just believed the Lord isn't going to come and they've started to believe um, that, that the Lord maybe, maybe won't come and maybe um, uh, there's, there's going to be something else. Maybe they just misunderstand uh, what, what the biblical teaching is here. But the Bible promises that the Lord is going to return. 
Um, it's just not on our timetable. And these servants, um, uh, there's no reason um, uh, in their minds why the, the master would return in the middle of the night. That's what the second and third watch was. But if he did, they were ready. They were ready to respond. They were ready to, um, uh, uh, to receive the master. Uh, second and third watch were um, in the hours of darkness. Uh, some, of the, some, an- some of these uh, uh, ancient militaries um, in, of the time um, used a three-watch system. Some used a four-watch system. And so it was either a three-hour a three watch or a four-hour watch in the 12 hours of, of nighttime. And um, in, in this seems to be a three-night three, uh, watch system or four hours each, um, which seems to be what's referenced here. And the second watch would be really from, from 10 to about 2 at night, uh, 10 at night to 2 in the wee hours of the morning in the darkness, 2 in the morning. And the third watch would be from 2 to 6. It would be really from um, uh, beyond sunset and, and well after sunset until maybe around sunrise, but really the darkest hours and, uh, of the nighttime, the time when we are sleeping. This is, this is, these are the eight hours of night that, that um, average people are asleep. Um, between the hours of 10 at night and 6 in the morning, uh, people are sleeping. This is the time when it's normal and natural to be asleep. And the Lord is emphasizing here is that to be ready and prepared for the Lord's return and to not be overtaken as, as a thief um, is truly something that is not natural. It is something that, that defies our natural understanding. It's something that defies um, our natural bent uh, because we are, we, are, we are built to be asleep in, in the nighttime. And, um, and yet, spiritually speaking, we are to defy those odds. We are to, to be wide awake. And darkness is always, in the Bible, spiritually a picture um, of, of lies and falsehood and untruth and really um, a, a lack of the presence of, of truth. Um, and, uh, and, and it would picture a time in the world where it is very um, spiritually uh, oppressed. It's a time in the world that's very spiritually darkened. There's a lot of lies, a lot of, uh, of, of deception going on. And that is a time when the average person, even sadly the average Christian, is going to be asleep. They're going to uh, not be on the job and on the watch. Um, but the Bible calls us as Christian soldiers um, calls us to be awake and to be watching and to be prepared um, for the Lord's return even then. The obvious implication here is that the spiritual climate of the world would be very cold, to be very dark, and the average uh, individual would be spiritually asleep, completely under the, uh, the thrall of the lies and the deception of the world. And in the midst of this spiritual climate, Christ's servants are supposed to still be awake and responsive uh, we cannot fall asleep through weariness. We cannot fall asleep through through uh, the the comforts of this life and the cares of this world. We cannot fall asleep uh, through the through complacency to the the commands that Christ gave us to the things that are going on around us. We cannot allow anything like that to uh, to draw away our attention and cause us to be distracted or discouraged uh, from what Christ has called us to do. And going on from there. Um, verse 41, then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us or even to us all? And the Lord said, who then is that faithful and wise steward whom the Lord will make ruler over his own household and give them a portion of meat in due season? 
Blessed is that servant whom the Lord, when he cometh, uh, shall find so doing of a truth. I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But, and if that servant say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens and to eat and to drink and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him and in an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in sunder and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and repaired not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did, not, and didn't, and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall, much be, uh, shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much of them will uh, of him they will ask the more um and so there's a uh, again a, an emphasis here um to not become uh doubtful of the lord's return and he gives this parable in response to to peter's question um of this of this unwise steward of this unwise servant in the house that um, that, that did not believe the Lord's return was going to come. So he just lived the way that the world lived and he lived like any other and he defied and disobeyed the master's commands. And the master did come, the Lord did come and, um, and he was severely punished for that. Um, the implication in this and, and the meaning of this is that um, your stewardship of this life determines your rewards in the next. So what I said at the beginning of the message here tonight is that all of the things that come hereafter, all the things that we are part of after the rapture are all determined in what we do before the rapture, what we do before uh, uh, this life ends and we enter into the next. Um, stewardship in this life determines your rewards in the next and why stewardship is always rewarded. Um, there are rewards for faithful stewardship and sometimes those rewards are are. Seen in this life, and sometimes um, they're not, but they certainly will be seen in the next. Um, and there's a, a, a great truth that is given toward the end of this in verse uh, 48 um, of, To whom much is given, much shall be required. And in, in another place, when this is also expressed, and the Lord expressed it, He said um, that He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful in that which is much also. Uh, he that is unfaithful in that which is least is unfaithful in that which is much also. And there's a, a kind of a universal truth that, that is found here um, uh, that applies to everyone. And, uh, and, and this is no different, that stewardship in this life and why, why stewardship is always going to be rewarded and it's going to see blessings. And very often those blessings are seen in this life. Those who are wise stewards um, often are um, blessed in, in, in physical and even material ways. That's not always the case, and, and material things are not the measure of a person's spirituality, but there often are um, uh, uh, blessings that we experience in this lifetime, and sometimes it's not material at all. Sometimes it's just um, getting to see the, the spiritual reward of a life well-lived. Sometimes it's just having a, a great legacy, um, seeing your children grow up um, to, to raise their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, and, and seeing that, that inheritance um, and that heritage passed on to your children's children, and that being um, a wonderful um, uh, uh, indication of, of wise stewardship with your uh, in your relationships, um, seeing people that you've reached with the gospel, seeing people that you've invested in um, in, in years of ministry, um, going forward and staying faithful and 
and, um, and continuing on in, in the faith um, uh, because of uh, your, your great investment. And there, there are rewards in this life, but uh, there will certainly be rewards for faithful stewardship um, in heaven and in eternity. Uh, faithful stewards, um, some of the parables uh, speak of faithful stewards being granted even authority to, uh, uh, over, over, over lands and cities uh, and peoples um, in the in the, the the Lord's kingdom, um, in the millennial kingdom of Christ, and there's a pattern and a, an example of that um, in several places in the Gospels. We also see that unwise stewardship um, is 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 punished in this in this life. Um, it's chastised in this life. Um, the uh, the unwise steward, steward um, in in the picture. It, um, a, a, a physical master and a physical servant, and the physical master um, uh, punishes the, the, uh, the, the servant for being disobedient, for being abusive and terrible um, in, the, in, the, uh, in the Lord's work and the Lord's ministry. Um, it would be not a, a, loss of, a loss of salvation, but certainly a, a, a forfeiture um, and a loss of, of any benefits, of any spiritual reward. Um, uh, Paul writes in First First Corinthians, um, toward the end of, of chapter nine, I believe, um, when he's speaking about um, uh, running running the race of the Christian life, and um, uh, he um, makes the makes the, uh, the 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 connection that uh, it's not enough just to run in the race; one has to to finish the race and strive for the mastery in that race and, and, and try to, to accomplish the, the purpose of that race in order to really see the rewards from it. And sadly, many who begin the race um, uh, fail to complete the race and fail to, to persist in the race and therefore uh, forfeit um, rewards or at least much of the reward that they should have, have a, a earned and accumulated the impact of, of a life that they should have lived for the Lord. Um, this will not prevent them, again, bad, poor stewardship will not prevent one from, from going to heaven if they're saved. But there will be those in heaven who um, all of, at the judgment seat of Christ, all of their life's work will be consumed. And there will be really nothing to show for um, the life that they lived for Christ because they didn't live their life for Christ. They lived their life life for themselves, and that doesn't last. That doesn't produce anything of eternal weight and eternal value. Stewardship judged, um, stewardship is judged um, on, on opportunity and, and in, on, in on, on intent here. Um, ignorance is not an excuse, and you see that ignorance is not an excuse. Someone who um, knows better and still does what is wrong is going to be beaten with many stripes. Someone who doesn't know better and does things worthy of stripes is still going to be beaten with stripes. There was, um, ignorance was not an excuse, but for those who much had been given to, for those who had received much instruction, for those who had received the warning, um, there's more required from them for the fact that they uh, they knew better and they still did wrong. They they intentionally disobeyed and defied what the master had committed for them to do. And because they intentionally did that, um, they were worthy of more stripes because uh, intentions do matter. And um, and uh, our, our, our heart in these matters is, is evident and it is important um, what and why we do what we do. All unwise servants were, were judged and punished, but those that were unwise ignorantly received less severity than those that were unwise knowingly 
and willingly, those who uh, were, were genuinely foolish and rejected truth and, and did that which was not, was not right for them to do. And then down, I'll read the last few verses here. Um, and, uh, and this is an interesting um, passage of Scripture. It's also uh, paralleled in, in Matthew chapter 10, but there in verse 49 it says, I'm come to send fire on the earth. And what will I if it already be kindled, but I have baptism to be baptized with, and how I'm straightened till it be accomplished. Suppose ye that I am to come, I am come to give peace on the earth, I tell you nay, but rather division, for from henceforth shall be five in one house divided, three against two, two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, and the son against the father, and the mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother, and the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And uh, he gives this kind of interesting passage about really the purpose of, of, his, of his ministry. Um, the Lord here at this point is beginning to allude to the fact that um, he is, uh, has come uh, to, to lay down his life as a sacrifice. He's come, he's talking about that baptism to be baptized with. And uh, for him, it was, um, it was to go through the, 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 the pain of the pain of the cross, the pain of death, uh, to be that, that, that blood atonement for the sins of mankind and how he was really straightened or constrained um, until that point. Um, the Lord had one great purpose. The book of Isaiah says that he set his face like a flint um, and that he was not going to be deterred or distracted or, or diverted away from that purpose that he was on the earth to do. And he, was, he said, I'm straightened for that. But he said, I'm come to send fire on the earth. Um, fire is something that um, is uh, a blessing and a benefit when it is when it is contained. But it's also something to be very, very, very destructive and, and disruptive um, when it is uh, when it breaks loose and it's out of control. The Lord said, "I've come to send send a fire on the earth." Kind of, kind of in both ways. There's um, there's the, the 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 beneficial and the uh, powerful version of that, but also uh, the Lord is is here to not necessarily bring people together and, and bring peace for the sake of peace, but he's come and willing for his, for his message, for his ministry um, to, to, to cause um, even divisions, even in the household. Some can read this and maybe suggest that the Lord is speaking against um, the biblical structure of the home, of the family. Obviously, the, the Lord is not against the nuclear family. Uh, the Lord created that. The Lord instituted that. Um, and that is ordained of God, a husband and a wife and raising their children um, and, uh, and all together living um, for the Lord and, and that being uh, the Lord's plan uh, for the family. That's not what the Lord is saying here. He's not saying there should be um, contention in the home for contention's sake. And he's not saying that there shouldn't be peace because peace is a bad thing. But the, the, um, the, the, the point that is being made here, um, that the Lord has come to send a fire in the earth, that he has come to bring division um, uh, in, in Matthew. He says, I'm not come to bring peace, but, but a sword. And he's saying that, um, that, that the message of Jesus Christ and the, uh, the, the purpose of Jesus Christ and the, the, the discipleship of Jesus Christ is one that is very distinct and very decisive and very divisive in, in, in that case. 
He says, I have not come to bring um, uh, peace, but division. He's saying that um, there is going to be a, a call to decide. That no one can be neutral about, about Jesus Christ. No one can be neutral about the gospel. You either believe it or you don't believe it. There's not going to be unity between um, his people and all of the other unbelievers of the world, even if a household is divided between believers and unbelievers. There's going to be a division. There's going to be a divisiveness um, between them because there's not going to be that, that like precious faith and bond in Christ. This is an interesting and, and somewhat confusing passage, but... Um, Jesus is making the point that committed Christianity um, is, is decisive and, and distinctive in doctrine and in practice, that, that the gospel is the only, only message of salvation. And there's not all these different roads that lead to the same place. There's faith in Jesus Christ, and that is the only way to heaven. Jesus Christ is the only door to heaven. And those who believe something else are wrong. And, uh, and it is our mandate to, to declare that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ and that anyone who believes something else is wrong. Now, the Bible is the only um, truly divine book and the only, um, uh, truly, uh, uh, only true authority um, that we can look to of faith and, and, and practice and, and understanding what the, the, the will of God and the mind of God is and uh, to, uh, to believe some other things that might be um, morally based but not biblically based or morally based but not doctrinally sound. Um, there's a division in that. There's not something that we can compromise on that truth. The Christian faith is the only true religion on this earth and all other religions are false religions. And there's going to be a division about that. Um, and, uh, and, and there's a... Uh, even within households where people were, some members of the family were converting to Christianity and others were not. That was going to um, cause a, a, a separation, if you would. The challenge here in, in being ready for the Lord's return is that an understanding that, that, that your relationship with God is more important than your relationship even with your own family. The most important relationship that you have is your relationship with God and, and, and settling the, the destination of your eternal soul. And you should let no, no, no um, earthly relationship um, stand in the way of, of settling that, that decision in your heart. There should be no, um, uh, there should be no um, relationship, no, no decision that you hold in, in higher regard and higher esteem, even if it means that uh, your family rejects you for it. Um, then so be it. But your eternal soul is worth more than, um, than, than, than peace um, at Thanksgiving dinner. If you must choose between honoring God and family, you must choose God. And if you're going to be ready to stand before the Lord and give an account for the works uh, of your life and to um, receive that, uh, that, uh, uh, that, that welcome from the Lord of well done, thou good and faithful servant, if you're going to receive that from the Lord, you must be ready to obey the Lord over man. And even if that is family members, you must be ready to obey the Lord over man. Uh, we must not go along to get along even with family. 
And if you do, you have a wrong understanding of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. In, in Matthew 10, when the Lord, in the parallel, kind of parallel passage of this, the Lord says that any man that, that uh, uh, does not hate his father and his mother and his brother and his sister and, uh, and his home and his land and his, and his hometown and basically goes to the whole gamut of everything that, that we have in this life, and if he doesn't hate those things in comparison to the love that he has for Christ, um, he's not worthy to be his disciple. It's a challenging thought. Certainly it's much easier when your family is on board. Certainly it's, it's much easier when um, you have extended family um, that, that are also believers and Christians, but there will be some point, there will be some point even with them, that you will have to take a, a strong stand that even they don't necessarily understand or believe or agree with. And yet the Lord will call us to that as his disciples. If you do not take a stand on the truth with your unbelieving relatives, then neither you nor they are ready for the Lord's return. And, and um, it's important for us to, um, to take this stand, especially with our unbelieving friends and family and relatives and coworkers because we are put into their lives to be a witness for Christ. If they can get you to compromise your message, if they can get you to compromise in, in your methods for, 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 for their preferences, then you've done them a disservice as well as yourself. You have um, forfeited uh, potentially your rewards with the Lord. You've, you've um, for, foregone um, what, what work the Lord has put you on this earth to do. And that is an unwise stewardship on your part, but also uh, it's a disservice to them. Though they reject it, um, you are there to be a witness to them. And if they have any uh, great hope of, of being saved at any point along the way, though it may take a great amount of time, if they have any hope, it's going to be because of your consistent witness and testimony before them. And if you compromise that testimony, if you compromise that witness uh, in order to just have, have a... a peace when you get together, then um, you're doing yourself and them a disservice. Christ closes this challenge with a condemnation of being willingly ignorant and, and, um, and, and willingly distracted from the signs of the times. It says there, uh, when you see a cloud rise out of the west straightway, you say there cometh a shower, and so it is. When you see the south wind blow, you say there will be heat, and it cometh to pass. And you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth. How is it that you do not discern this time? And the truth of the matter is, is that as believers, knowing what we know from the word of God and seeing what we see in the world, we have to be deceiving ourselves do not believe that the coming of the Lord could happen at any moment. Because all, all of what we see around us, um, we could believe that the days of Noah were exactly like these days. The kinds of things that are taking place in culture and society and around this world, with all of the uh, wars and, 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 and divisions and um, uh, kingdoms against kingdoms and natural disasters in various places and all of those things that are taking place and the gospel going forward into new, new places, but diminishing in the places where it has been. Um, uh, and uh, all of those things coming to pass. We'd have to be actively deceiving ourselves to not believe that the Lord could come at any moment. We can be ready for his return. 
The day doesn't have to overtake you as a thief. It'll overtake those who are asleep as a thief. It'll take, overtake those who are not paying attention as a thief. But it doesn't have to t- overtake those who are being faithful and, and, and ready and prepared in the third watch of the night, in the second watch of the night. Um, those won't be overtaken as, as a thief. They won't know exactly when he's coming, but when he comes, they'll be ready to, um, to go and meet the Lord. And that can be you. That can be me. And we should be. Uh, we'll, we'll close and we'll move on from here into some other thoughts about this truth. But let's go ahead and, and uh, close out here tonight with, uh, with a word of prayer.